You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. and beer. I'm Andrew Hilbert, the author of Death Thing and Deer Man, and I'm here with my co-hosts. Long-time listeners might be surprised. We have co-hosts, uh, Zach Chapman. Hey, uh, I'm also a writer, and my stories are, you know, science fiction, fantasy, horror, all the good shit. I've appeared in Nature, I've appeared in Writers of the Future, Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, a couple of anthologies. And then we got Miguel here, who's our expert in everything, our expert researcher. <laughs> Miguel, would you like to uh, justify that characterization? Uh, I'll definitely try. I'm bringing the constant reader aspect to the show. I'm a bit of a researcher when it comes to uh, the media I consume. I have a love of horror, but I try to read a bit of everything. Please don't hate me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I already do. <laughs> Well, I, I, I did not hate Miguel until about two minutes ago when he told me he never had a Frito pie. Yeah, I like... I don't like corn chips. <laughs> I like uh, chili. I don't like Fritos too much, so I'm not seeing the connection there, guys. Oh, hey, we're Books and Beer, and we're about uh, reading books and drinking beer. Yeah, That's pretty much a show. Yeah, not chili. Not chill, yeah. We don't, dude. We don't. I'll show myself out, dude. I thought it was books, beer, and chili, bro. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so now we go into the little like uh, the, the pre-chat where we talk about things, interesting stories that have happened to us. Yeah. What's so? I mean, I have nothing interesting going on in my life right now. It's really dry out here in Texas. My nose is constantly bleeding. I'm crying in my toilet every night. My wife holds my mustache back for me. <laughs> I watched Star Wars, the newest one. Oh yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert. Nah. Well, well, I can't even... I feel like I have to watch a second... Uh, I have to watch it a second time to, like, really figure out what I feel about it. But uh, I, like... I enjoyed it. You had good it's feelings. Good. It's good. Yeah. Generally good. So, for people... We're recording this the Saturday after it came out. So, like, two days ago it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah, and no, you it came were, out yesterday. I mean, well, I guess it... It came been. out Thursday night, so yeah. true fans would watch it Thursday well, night. Dude. True but things. Zach over here only watched it last night. So. I'm not really into Star Wars. No? Not much. As we're surrounded in your office by just Star Wars memorabilia? Hey, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy poster. Yeah. That's not, That's not at all. similar to Star Wars at all. I think uh, people would be surprised to learn that you're actually married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's a librarian. Yeah. We have a, a love of books. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars isn't a book, though. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about movies. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not movies in When beer, I'm not dude. doing all the books for this, I'm listening to Star Wars books on Audible. Yeah. They have really good production quality, by the way. Like, they have, you know, the... Multiple actors? No, no, they don't have multiple actors. Thank fucking God. But they do have, a, you know, the lightsaber sounds when, when there's, like, a fight. And then you hear, like, the little... Like what, are, what's a lightsaber? Is that what you said it was? A, what? It's a it's a light sword. It's a laser sword. Ah, oh, yeah. for, for people who may not know what a lightsaber is out there, it's a what, Zach? People who are just getting into the podcast, they might not know what you know yeah, or, a lightsaber is. Or people with good taste. Oh, oh shit, dude. You just realize like half just, of our fan base just that's why <laughs> that's why I said please don't hate me. Two of them just left. Yeah. You could just edit that out, though. And, yeah, and yeah. Hillary is one that. of the ones that yeah. just left. Yeah. You're white. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Cool. So uh, this month's, this week's, this session's uh, episode is Cyberpunk. So uh, normally we're not going to read as much shit as we did this time. We got a little, uh, uh, we got we had some big heads. We got confident. Yeah. And Overconfident. Yeah. My brain is mush. Right I, I listened to a couple audiobooks at three times speed. <laughs> like, like it snorted cocaine <laughs> off a dead guy's back. As one does. Yeah, as I, one does when they're listening to audiobooks. Yeah, I just downloaded it into my brain. You know, like, oh, yeah, nice. he was. 
Did you get a cowboy hacker to uh, download you some megabytes, bro? Yeah, I feel like I need to jack into some lines somewhere. Which... You need to jack off into some lines <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, so, do we want to kick off with, what's our first beer? Our first beer, my friends. Well, kind of, like... Well, so, we're, we're going to be talking about proto-cyberpunk first, yeah. right? Well, well, we'll define cyberpunk just because, I mean, the, the, for our first episode didn't really have to explain what a haunted house is. This one, there's a lot of different different definitions of cyberpunk floating out there, and I, you know, agree with some, disagree with others, it's a... It's a Debated issue. Yeah, and we're going to fight a lot. And the, our first beer is Tall Grass Brewing Company's 8-Bit Pale Ale. The only reason we're drinking it is because it's called 8-Bit Pale Ale, and uh, we're going to be talking about computers and stuff, dude, with not, with the understanding William Gibson brings to him. Yeah. I mean, this was all, all this shit was written, most of it was written in the 80s, so uh, mm. 8-Bit, 80s, you know? I like it. it tastes it's good. definitely a pale ale. I can drink this all day. Yeah. It's it's hop forward, <laughs> as the nerds say in the beer world. Well, uh, it's got a kick in the back. It's got a little kick in the back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, this is standard pale ale, man. It's pretty good. Tall grass, 8-bit pale ale. I don't know where tall grass is out of. but uh, I, I think I get um, like a placebo effect on like how cool the beer can looks, and I think this can looks pretty cool, and so... I think it tastes pretty good. Yeah. I just wish they went full copyright infringement and made an actual <laughs> Pac-Man. Not this, like, puck boy. You know? Like, it's definitely a puck boy version. <laughs> this is a puck boy. Legally different from Pac-Man, yeah. Pac-Man. But if it we're not doing it right, we are in Austin, so we need koozies. Uh, What's well, about? It's about 30 degrees outside. <laughs> oh, so it says the guy who's never had a fucking Frito pie. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw anybody use koozies until I moved down here. It's uh, definitely... I, I and know. now I have a freaking collection of them. I, so. I always tell people I drink too fast. <laughs> to, to benefit. I, I uh, don't bother with that shit just because it's like another thing. It's just another thing. Like, to, yeah. Why, who, why dedicate fucking pocket space to koozies? Yeah. And we have some, like, people give them out at their weddings, and now I got, like, wedding koozies. Yeah. It's just like, what? okay, this is, like, taking up drawer space. Yeah. I'm forever going to remember this on the day you get divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, koozies suck as I put my koozie back in my pocket. Oh, you have a koozie? <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. Bring it out, dude. No one even knows. No, you're all you, stupid. Do you have, like, a cyberpunk like, koozie? <laughs> like, a themed koozie? No. You have a cyberpunk koozie? Yeah. Koozie. All right, so, uh, what is cyberpunk? What do you feel? I think I think one of the main okay, so one of the main themes of cyberpunk that I found is very much identity and anti-authoritarianism in a weird, but like in a weird, strange way because most of it deals with corporations and the mm-hmm. market. Yeah, right. But I also I can also imagine a lot of libertarians really fucking love cyberpunk. Oh my god! Yeah, that is, I'm gonna, yes, yeah, no, I, on. Right on our first novel, we'll talk about some libertarian shit. Cause, no. uh, oh, aren't you a libertarian, Zach? Oh, my <laughs> God. No, I'm not, to say the least. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, so, AIs, corporations, uh, kind of like a dirtbag main character, or yeah. like a shit heel, or like a ha- you know hacker to yeah. what people in the 80s thought were hackers or would be hackers and like definitely in in actual cyberpunk stuff like it was in it was created in the 80s by William Gibson and Pat Cadigan and uh, Bruce Sterling and a couple other authors and I feel like especially with a couple of these definitely like a Raymond Chandler feel like a noirish yeah. Uh, a dirty, a grit to it. Yeah. That uh, is probably typical of the 80s, like, alternate light, like, the 80s punk scene, or like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely see the grittiness. There's a lot of doom and darkness um, in it, but also there is a um, very action packed. It's almost like, it's almost like a James Cameron. Like, 
reading a James Cameron script yeah. or something. I, I yeah, the, it, the the Raymond Chandler aspect of it, like where every chapter is like you're meeting a new crazy character, or you're you know the the pacing is just it's frenetic, but I in a in a good way, like. Yeah. At least for me, for my ADD brain, like, I like that. Give me more, give me more. Like, just just switch shit up. Like, oh, we're in this city now. Oh, we're in this city now. So there's a weird thing about all these books. is like you have to kind of engross yourself into the language that the books speak in order to get it. It's like, um, what's that? The Clockwork Orange. If you read the book, you kind of have to, like go along with everything they're saying until you finally start understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I felt a lot. I mean, not so much with the proto-cyberpunk, but Neuromancer's like, okay. Yeah. I guess they're called computer cowboys. (laughs) Okay. One other thing, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but another thing I noticed is it's definitely like post-apocalyptic. It's like, it'd be hard to have the cyberpunk in a regular world. I think that's one thing that I caught up. I don't... Yeah, it's a little bit post-apocalyptic, but I also think it's like... It's on the edge. It's almost like a dystopian future without any pretense of utopia. You know, yeah. like, like no, none of these companies promise anything good to anybody. <laughs> it just sucks for right. everybody. I, you know? Honestly, I think that um, a lot of these stories and movies like, like Blade Runner, which is based off of proto-cyberpunk, but it is definitely cyberpunk... A lot of these movies and TV shows or TV stuff and uh, stories, they came out all around the same time. And I think it's just like a general feeling in the 80s that people had. Just kind of like a collective, like a young, Jungian yeah. Yeah, type of situation where uh, people were worried about corporations. People, there was no hot war going on. Necessary, like it was yeah. more of like Cold War type stuff, corporate f- fears, and you know, I think that's kind of what built the genre and why people are talking. I don't think they necessarily were like, you know, William Gibson created it, and then everyone was like, oh, well, cor- corporations are evil. I think like it was just this thing in the zeitgeist. There's definitely like a hopelessness throughout yeah. all these books, like. This was all... These are no feel-good stories. No. And there's also not, like, this uh, noble goal for most of these stories. <laughs> People are chasing money, generally, or revenge. Or drugs. Or drugs, yeah, exactly. A so lot just, of rape. A yeah. lot of rape, guys. Yeah. The, but the other thing, it's interesting that cyberpunk... I feel like we're kind of in a... In a, in a our current time is rhymes with the uh, anxieties of the 80s. Um we're kind of in a cold, hot war right now. Yes. There's hack, you know, Russian hackers and stuff like that. And so I think cyberpunk is probably making a comeback in a lot of ways. Um, just because of our current climate. Well, when we get to Cadigan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is... Cadigan's story is perfect for today. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So I think we've kind of, like, defined it enough for, like, the general audience to understand. So let's get into, like, what fits these uh pretty much almost all of these beats but is technically pre-cyberpunk like before the 80s before the uh you know term was coined and the first book we'll go into is the stars my destination by alfred bester what did you guys think like this is definitely cyberpunk written in the 50s yeah to me i mean i think um cyber Cyberpunk seems to deal with, like, you know, it seems like a lot takes place within a computer or something like that. But I do think, like, you know, the idea of software probably didn't really uh, go into everyone's brains back then. But I think that this is, like, a uh, frenetic, almost like a superhero story in a weird way. So, um, in in this, in Alfred Bester's The Star is My Destination, it's a story about a guy who gets marooned on a spaceship... And they, everyone, pretty much everyone on the planet can teleport, and they call it jaunting. Uh, But you can't teleport through space. Now, the main character is kind of just a nobody uh, at first. He's like Joe everybody. You know, he's just a very generic person. And then this, this starship just leaves, you know, he sends out a distress call. He sees it, and then it just 
leaves him behind. And he's been out marooned for, like, days. And something in him just snaps. And he goes insane from there. He just wants to destroy... At first, he, he's unrefined, right? Because he's just, like, this everyone uneducated person. Mm-hmm. And so he just wants to destroy the ship itself. And then as he becomes a more sophisticated person, through his revenge, he's like, I want to dismantle the people that did this to me. I want to, like, kill them. I want to make them suffer, like, horribly. And he becomes, like, a really super fucking evil person. But, yeah. Well, he was evil to begin with. Yeah. He becomes uh, super evil. Yeah. Like, well, when I said superhero story, I meant, like, super villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is kind of like Forrest Gump meets, like, Death Wish. It's just a crazy uh, revenge story. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm, Miguel, I'm super curious because, well, what you felt about it, because this is definitely the most science fiction-y of all the stuff that we read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, you can feel that it was written in the 50s because yeah. it has more of like a fantastical element. You know, it has, people are on different planets. There's the outer yeah. uh, solar system and they're kind of at war with the inner solar system. Mm-hmm. It's just very sci-fi to the core I know it's not really your thing, but at the yeah. same time, I do feel like it's super literary yeah. in many ways. And I I felt, based off of our conversation last time, you dig the literary. Yeah, I I connected to the uh, parts of the story that were the relationships with, with the people that he was, you know, going. Um, and then also the the part where he's just explaining when Jaunting was discovered. And then everything that just kind of fell in place after that, uh, society pretty much collapses because now people can go wherever they want. People who were pre- previously stuck in these ghettos, they don't have to live there anymore. They can go wherever the, wherever the hell they want. So, like, I really, really enjoyed that part. And the, the beginning part of the movie, uh, the beginning part of the book, because I was going to say, it felt like an action movie. It was it so totally felt like a fucking action it, movie. I, I, I was trying to keep up with it, and I was yeah. listening to it, you know, on... Um, audio book and uh, Come on, I give you guys the PDF and then y'all go out oh no but you got it for free so I can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was pretty good was was that the one that had the British author yeah the British fuck narrator that dude. And it, fuck that dude uh, God. boy I was like Widow, I, I've got I've got pain in my ass <laughs> you left me in space <laughs> I mean, that's how he sounds the whole fucking book yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but then the guy goes and then we had tea you know and the narrator kept switching yeah. oh, and his his voice was the only voice that was any different than anybody else yes it was an action movie and I, I think I read that it was serialized and that's kind of like, yeah for, for in Galaxy I believe yeah and so it was serialized and so the writing, you know, it's interesting when TV is, you know, having sort of renaissance right now. It's short writing. There's a story arc going throughout. It's episodic, though, and every episode kind of, like, is really fast-paced to keep the reader's interest. And that is why I think, I mean, I was, I was surprised by this book because it is so old. It's fantastical. Um, but it's so well-paced. It's extremely well-paced, and then there's some things about it where... You're like, oh man, he's thinking really far ahead. Like, I, I like this idea. Like, I I didn't catch on to this until like the 60 percent or more mark that religion's illegal. Yeah. When yes. the fuck did they did they talk about that early? Well, I kind of missed that too. Um, until, but it becomes a religious story in a, in a weird yeah, way too. It's, it, it's like that he doesn't talk about religion at all, and mm-hmm. until he talks about it. Uh, so, er, well, earlier in the story, he does meet a religious, a tribal sect the of scientists, scientists yeah. while, while he's still in space, and they're kind of like living on an asteroid. It's this crashed group of scientists that kind of, they're like kind of inbreds, and they they use like bastardized science that they yeah. worship. Yeah, which right. is which, kinda cool. uh, it's pretty yeah. cool. I like it's, that. It's pretty cool, and, and they tattoo his, his face, face up, and that's like kind of like, yeah. To look like a tiger. To look like a tiger. Which, which, in my mind, I was thinking like the dude from Kiss. <laughs> so just those three stripes right there, so that made it a little bit humorous. Yeah. Well, one of the things, too, is like the religious aspect of it. This is why I say superhero, because there is a superhero aspect. That's the, 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 the device that, that drives the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe it kind of shows up at the end of this with the pyre, pyre. slugs. 
he like throws them into like different. Uh, you know, he leaves them in different planets or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, and that is like the Infinity Stones, or yeah. like, or even in the Justice League, the fucking boxes. Like it, this fuels the entire <laughs> narrative for a thousands of movies. Yeah. And this was like the end of the book. So basically, what ends up happening is so he he was on this ship and. Uh, you know, uh, he marooned, and it turns out there was like a bunch of money on that ship. Oh, and then maybe something else going on on that ship too. And it turns out there's this substance that's basically uh, H bomb, but you can think it to blow up. Kind of, kind of weird. I was kind of hoping for something more. Yeah. Like I was wanting. They keep saying everyone because people come after him. He's after. He's, he's seeking revenge. People are looking for him because they want this thing, this MacGuffin called Pyre, which is, you know, it's basically just a bomb. Yeah. And they're, they're, like, trying to use it to end the war. But, yeah, it, to me it was, throughout the whole story, uh, it's just jam-packed with world-building, but, but it doesn't spend time world-building, yeah. right? So you just pick up, I mean, at the very beginning, he, he defines jaunting and what it means for society which mm-hmm. is cool but then all these things like you don't learn you don't really learn that christianity and all that sh- like he calls them like a uh, christian seller christians yeah. which is like a diss yeah. which is hilarious like i i just love that diss like oh you seller christian <laughs> because it's illegal to to you know be religious yeah uh, so as a writer, okay, think about this: is do you think that maybe some of those holes in world building are le- are there because it's serialized and he's selling it uh, to the magazine, and then like at, when you collect it, say, like, oh shit, there's like whole parts that don't make sense until the middle. Well, or or, or oh, I didn't talk about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to tell because up until that point, up until the sixty percent mark. He's actually not faced society. He's fa- he's been in prison, and he he's been in space doing all this action shit, and he hasn't been confronted with going to a neighborhood, necess- yeah. like at all, yeah. until that moment. And then you learn, oh, these these people are religious. Oh, and that's illegal. So I feel like he was delivering information on a need-to-know basis. Yeah. And at this... I mean, it's cool. I dug it. I feel like it's a little odd in, you know, reading that in the 20-teens because a lot of the writers right now just like to be very upfront about things. They don't like to hold back world-building tip, like, little tidbits like that. Um, But for for this purpose, yeah, it was all for pacing. I I do (laughs) think, like, he wrote this to be serialized. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I really... I think, it, I think it fucking works. Yeah, yeah it it's works. super good. So, um, did anybody else catch on the kind of, the Matrix part of it, or the the movie Matrix, where he was kind of downloading, he was learning everything by, how was he learning about it again? I forget. So he, he actually had implants. Implants. Yeah, right. yeah. And that's why we're going to call this cyberpunk, because it has a piece of shit main character who's a rapist, mm-hmm. who's a murderer, who's like commits genocide. Right. Yes. And uh, at around like the second half, he gets implants. And it's like the action scenes are really fucking cool with, yeah. with the implants. Like, yeah. oh man, like I can't believe someone in the 50s wrote these cool yeah. action right. scenes and They're thought great. of these like implants. It feels, the implant part of it feels so 80s. Yeah. Like it feels, and, and, and also like a Marvel superhero because he's described as like flicking on, like he uses, it's in his tooth. Yeah. And it's the cybernetic implant that just goes throughout his body and yeah. makes him super fast. Mm-hmm. And he just beats the shit out of everyone. And, and can learn. And can learn everything. Can, yeah. Um, and, and that's what the reminded me of The Matrix. Because, you know, in the, the movie The Matrix, they just, like, download programs. And, and he goes, the, I know Kung Fu. You know, he goes, <laughs> whoa. Um, the, re- the religious whoa. aspect of this, too. I mean, this is almost like a God origin story in a lot of ways. Um, because at the end he's right. essentially, he's essentially a god. god. Yeah, you know. Have you read um, Stranger in a Strange Land? No. Okay. It's. I feel like I'm not sure which one was written first, 
I mean, obviously, uh, Bester is way less popular than yeah. than uh, Robert Heinlein. Yeah. Rob, that's also a God story. Yeah. Like a, it's a Superman story. Yeah. If Superman is seen as as more of like a God figure that can do anything, yeah. that can phase through objects and things like that. Uh, is is his name? His mom's name Martha as well. Yeah. And this one, dude, you're <laughs> triggering me hard, dude. Why'd you say that name? Uh, you... Hold on, guys. So I, I I did the wrong beer to start with. So I guess we're gonna have to chug what you got left. No, no, no. We started right. We just didn't. So we defined, and then we were supposed to. Oh do... yeah. Oh fuck. Well, we're supposed to go to Clown Shoes. That's the brewing company. His <laughs> name is Clown Shoes. And uh, it's called Space Cake Double IPA, all right? And i got to read this because it's so ridiculous. Why are Miracle Mike and his dog, Bionic, being chased by many evil laser beam shooting cupcakes and two giant layer cake motherships? Because we're straight up lunatic fools? Well, maybe, but with a few brain cells remaining, we managed to craft Space Cake Double IPA, etc., etc., etc. That's perfect for uh, Stars by Destination, don't you think? I, yeah. Yeah. If we hadn't fucked it up. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Don't right, so kill is... me! I'm Gully Foil. <laughs> so what kind of beer is this again? A double IPA. A double IPA. Oh, okay. so we go from the IPA to the double IPA. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to take that Batman v Superman glass. <laughs> I'll take that one right there. So Oscar-worthy performances of my both people. Um, do you guys want more? This this tastes. Uh, I'll, I'll, you could tap me out there. This tastes. Is that if you want some more? Maybe kind of smoky. I don't know. With a bit of smoke in the back. Yeah, dude. Do, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that makes me angry. <laughs> dude, it smells bad. It uh, smells. That was me. Really <laughs> that was bad. me, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Yo, but the, okay. So the cover of this is like <clears throat> has this cosmic superhero dude flying around with like a city in the background and like robot cupcakes yeah this is this is with a, with a cybernetic dog that's the fucking cool you know you know i said i had that placebo about like cool covers yeah maybe i don't because that cover is cool as shit and this beer smells bad um uh well i mean have you seen his face what's wrong with that guy's face <laughs> He's just, <laughs> he's just we like. We gotta upload this summer. He's just like, yeah. hello. <laughs> this is my life now. This I guess. <laughs> you know? So one thing I wanted uh, to, we have to address, and you've we've brought it up a little bit, is the rape scene in this. Yeah, it's hard. It's a little bit. It's hard to like much. a character. Uh, you, yeah. And I think I don't know if he set it up so you wouldn't like him right off the bat. I think he did. I think that was definitely on purpose. Yeah, he's not supposed to be a, a character that you like. Um, I, I think it was the introduction with uh, Neil Gaiman or yeah. Gaiman where he was saying that if this had been written now, you would have seen or the the rape scene would have been described as, as opposed to it like happening, like fading out right before it happens, you know? Yeah. Because Well, you hope, right? You're like, oh, I hope he didn't do that. Right, yeah. and then and then it's like later space, like the person he meets her, and she's like, "Yeah, rapist." Yeah, and so yeah. you know it's not a question of whether he raped her. Like it, like maybe you know, like the squeamish people can be like, "Oh, you know, I, I well, I think I choose to believe he didn't," but right. it is There's spelled no out. Yeah, yeah, it is spelled out later. Like he, yeah, he raped someone. It, it yeah, and I, and I don't need it to be gratuitous, but you you need to know that you don't like instant instantly know that this is not a good person, that you shouldn't be looking up to this person. Uh, so that was one thing I had a problem with. But knowing that it was written in the 50s or something like that, it's it's understandable. I, I don't st- think it would have been published. Yeah, I don't if, think so. Yeah. I still don't... I don't know that we're even meant to like them anyways. No. I mean, because I didn't, I didn't have this... Basically, the way I, I was reading this or listening to this was, oh, I'm watching some really cool... Destruction, you know what I mean? Like I'm watching a bad guy do bad shit and then become God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think the author wanted us to like foil at all. But did you want him while you were reading it? Did you want him to succeed? Well, after the rape scene, which happens very early, huh? which happens very early, it. I mean, it's just it's gotta be a no for me, dog. Yeah. 
can't. But like can't, honestly, there's no did, coming back from that. Did yeah. you want him to succeed? Did I want? I did not want. No, see, no. I, I don't think I. I did not want him to succeed. But what is success in the story? There's there's somewhat of a happy ending, but what is? I mean, it's not really a happy ending. It's there, just, yeah, I I think there is a small moment of redemption. He literally goes through hell, pretty much. Yeah. He is burned alive. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it's this moment for the reader to be like, okay, well, he paid for his sins. And now it's up to the reader to say, is he forgiven? Yeah. The one the one part where I felt like, where it fell a little short for me is, we have all of these awesome characters. And, by the way, I have to aside here, great dialogue throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. It's just lightning fast. Did you not like it? No, no, no. I like the dialogue except when he was when he was first, like he was speaking archaic. Oh, yeah. I love that. Really? He's like, well, you read it and I listened, yeah, to, it. listened to it. It was a little bit hard yeah. listening to. Love it, me. Love it, me. So what's, maybe, what's the matter, you? Yeah. What's the matter, you? Which is how my uncle speaks. So yeah. it's really? Little, yeah. I kind of had one of those like head scratcher moments the first time I heard like a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so right. So he's yeah. uneducated, yeah. Yeah. and so he speaks like a labor, like a regular labor. Yeah. And then at is the that end, how you feel laborers speak? Yeah, you mean in say, this? Oh, you mean in the universe? In the universe of the book? Yeah. Yeah. You don't think construction workers speak like that? No. 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 Okay. No. 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 Come why on, do you Why on. do you hate the lower class people? Oh, come on. Why I, do you hate working people? I, I work hard. Are you a libertarian? Speaking of libertarian, we got to talk about this ending because it is a fucking libertarian wet dream. And it's one of, it's this thing that I kind of hated, uh, how, how he chooses to end it. There are, there are like four characters or three characters. Like he, he's in charge of the, the pyre. He's like, he's got the pyre and these three or four characters are like, this is what you should do with it. This is what you should do with it. And then like the liberal person is like says, hey, you should just fucking delete that shit. Like, don't, you, you, only you know where it's at. So fuck it, that's it. Just, you know, swallow the key, throw away the key, you know? And then no one gets the the pyre, which is, you know, this high-grade explosive. And, of course, like, that's the choice that I would have made. And that I think that most sane humans in the 20-teens that aren't libertarian would make. But then... This random fucking robot is like, no, like he. It's n- not a, a character from the story at all. It's just this this robot that's like an automaton, yeah. just like short circuits. And then you know, Gully or Foil has this uh, epiphany, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna give this weapons, you know, this huge explosive to the populace, and they can decide what to do with it. They let their adults. And it's like one thing that, you know, maybe the 50s don't know because they didn't have fucking President Trump is that you can't give the keys to the population. They're going to fuck it up. They're going to be, especially the way this is described is that if anyone, anyone can think it to explode. And he's just like, fuck it. Yeah, let's give it to everyone. It's like, I did not fucking like that ending. That part, I, I get it as I respect it as art, but as a political statement, I hate it. I don't know if that's... I mean, I think maybe it was more of a democratic statement. Let the people decide what to do with it. I think we see as a libertarian side... Well, because he's calling me a libertarian! (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know... I don't think he was trying to make a political statement. I think seeing it through our lens of 2017, we're like, fuck that. But I don't think he was going for that. I think he was going for a badass ending where shit explodes. I'd rather he yeah. just... Dude, it was a badass ending. I'd rather he just hoard it all up, go up to like Washington, D.C., and be like, <laughs> I'm the fucking president now. You don't like him blowing everybody up. That's true. Yeah. You know, but, that's the way it should work. So essentially what, what I got from it was, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, is shit explodes. He goes, he goes off. And then he realizes he needs to show people how to do what he's doing, right? Like, jaunting. Okay, so that, that's the other part, is yeah. that he is the only human that can jaunt through space through and space. time. Yeah. yeah. So he goes back. I don't know if it's explicitly said, but he's going to be teaching people how to do it, right? Or 
it, it kind of is very heavily hinted at when he jaunts to the future. Yeah. And the they're future. like, oh, there's these people here now. And they're like, where are you? Don't worry about that. <laughs> you know, you, you taught us how to do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a little thing called the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read it? Yeah. So I, I know we're still discussing this, but we can't not talk about the Green Lantern connection. Do you, you know, guys, know about that? Did he wrote for Green Lantern, right? Right. Well, he created the the Darkest the, Night. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Green Lantern's Oath. Yeah. Well, not the first one, the the, the current one that we use right now, because there was one before that. Okay. So, yeah. so, so, are you a Green Lantern? Can you say how we use it? Can you, can you repeat the oath for us? Uh, well, I know we, you know about art, dude. Well, I know well, you're a Green Lantern. Well, let me pull out my Green Lantern badge. All right, let's do it. No, I don't know it. Through Darkest Day. And, you fucking liar. Through darkest, you're your a liar. Brightest Day and Darkest Night. He already knows more than I do. I don't, that's the only thing I know. All I know is uh, the movie ruled. I haven't seen it. No, anyway, just kidding. Well, I never well, saw it. When did the movie come out? With Ryan um, Reynolds. Oh, Ryan God. Reynolds. Yeah, I'm not going to see it. Yeah, no, I didn't see <laughs> it. <ever. laughs> hey, did you see Deadpool? I mean, uh, you know, Deadpool. I actually didn't watch Deadpool because I, I, I fucking hate Ryan Reynolds. You're not a fan of uh, the know. Rye Boy. Well, you, you didn't like uh, Two Girls? Uh, two... One Cup? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Dude, the writing on that? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Was it? character development? <laughs> you know, no. Two Girls, A Guy in a Pizza Place. You remember that? That was the first show he was on like back in... On ABC back in the 90s. Fuck both of you guys. Sounds pretty stupid, old man. (laughs) So Bester, Bester wrote comic books. Bester is a fucking all-around dude. He wrote sci-fi. Well, I mean, he predominantly just wrote sci-fi in genre. Mm. But he wrote for TV, and then he wrote comic books. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to learn how much. I mean, I didn't realize he was that into, you know, comic book legend. He's he's a legend, actually. Yeah. It's weird, too, because when you go to Book People or any bookstore um, or Amazon, you look at, like, his the reprints, the covers. Like, he's not treated like... No, he's not no, treated the same as anybody else. Look at this, look at this oh. shitty cover. Well, I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, but that, that's not terrible. Great example anybody, for but podcast. there's a hyphen, un, you know, unreality yeah. right there. It's like, dude, some, some typography right there would have worked out for you. <laughs> Come on, like... Yeah. I, I spend more money on my covers, and I'm an indie publisher <laughs> yeah. than, than this professor. And this is a Ford by Robert Silverberg, who's in Time Travel Tales. Uh, if you want to buy that on Amazon, I edited it. Yeah. So, Chappie uh, Fiction? Zach, Zach, I'm sure we'll tweet out an affiliate link. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm just masturbating right now to myself. Okay. It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Dick's out on the uh, on the podcast table. Oh, really? I can't see it. Sorry. I had a flashback. <laughs> I had a flashback to 2016, uh, Zach. Dicks out for Harambe. Dude. <laughs> oh, man. I miss Harambe. <laughs> it's getting way off. You can totally edit this. You can totally edit this if you want. But I, I became your friend on Facebook, and then it was right at the time we were going through a pit bull thing. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that all about, dude? I kept asking Nina. I was like, do you know him at all? Like, do you know if like, this is happening? Saga. I think you were at the party where everyone was talking about the pimple thing. It was that. <laughs> no, it was for your birthday party. Were you at my birthday party? Last year. I didn't get invited, dude. No. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, man. Do you want so, another beer? Like a sadness beer? <laughs> sadness. <laughs> Here's a tear. All right, well, we got to. Yeah, I mean, we got to. Ta- I mean, yeah. character development. For the for blog. The, for the full. Because we're only at. We're at 40 minutes, so we got. Tw- so oh, we'll have 20 more minutes to talk about. Do androids. Do androids, which is good. But, yeah, so there's this whole Pitbull thing where my uh, sister's father-in-law and mother-in-law, their whole family is like, like basically, they help run this site called Dog. Don't give them. Okay. Do not go to that website. I'll beat that out. So, um, so they run a, a website that is like, yellow paper propaganda about how evil pitbulls are and how they will kill like everyone you know and love when like pitbulls kill like three people a year and german shepherds kill like two people a year it's like yo dog they're like the same fucking ant they kill the same amount and and everyone loves german but i didn't even get into that like i'm just like and so he came on my wall and started talking all this shit See how his chest is puff, puffing yeah, out? Yeah, I know. Like, he, he came out of my Facebook wall. Right now. He came out of my timeline, dude. <laughs> he was posted on my timeline anti-pimple stuff. 
And he, and every time he posts, he's like, "Have you read website in its entirety? Have you read this website? And it's have you read every single article on this yellow b- bullshit website?" Oh my god! It, it was it was super frustrating. And then so his son was at my birthday party, and I don't have the book right here, but Miguel gives. Miguel walks up and gives me this book for my birthday, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, the truth about Pitbull, as like a fucking gag gift, and he's just standing right there, and everyone throughout the whole party just talks shit about his dad, and he was just like, yeah, I mean, I, it was funny for the first 30 minutes, <laughs> it was just the whole night, everyone just talks shit about oh, Dave. But you couldn't go on your Facebook for like a week or two. Oh they God. were just relentless. People were posting pictures of the rapper Pitbull and they were like, like him and his family would be like, this family is at risk. There's a Pitbull in this family. It's like, like, cause all of my friends are trolls. And so they would troll him. But I have a friend that just follows. He's not friends with, uh, the guy's father, my friend's father or my brother-in-law's father. Um, he's not friends with him, but he follows him on Facebook and he'll just occasionally just <laughs> talk shit to him. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, right. so that's when you first, uh... No, that's when we became friends with him on Facebook. And you're like, like you're totally baffled. This guy, like, like, like a pit bull. You don't even have a fucking pit bull. Yeah, no, How no, does that happen? I don't get I just, it. like, I just believe in science. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a good entryway because, like, it, we're talking about real pit bulls, not mechanical pit bulls, right? <laughs> That's right. So let's, let's talk about uh, android pit bulls and if they uh, dream of electric sheep. Yeah. Well, they definitely dream of killing you and your whole family. <laughs> yeah. um, dude, okay, so I've read this book twice now. And the first time I read it, I was like, Oh, the dialogue stilted. Oh, the narrative stilted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the second time I read it, fucking loved it. I think it's great. So this is a novel. Uh, Do androids dream of electric sheep? It's by Philip K. Dick, and it's the basis for Blade Runner. And this is super controversial, but I like it more than Blade Runner by like by like a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I actually don't really like Blade Runner. Tangent, I think 2049 is way, is the best movie of the year. But that aside, um, I, this was a very formative book for me. I had not read any science fiction. And I guess I was like... I, I read like horror and, and fantasy at the time. It was high school. And this is like, you know, this was like hard... Not hard SF, but it's like hardcore yeah. science fiction. Like Philip K. Dick is like... You know, uh, when was this written? In this, I believe this is a '60s book, um, and it blew my mind, and it really got me into Philip K. Dick as an author and science fiction as a genre. And he's actually rocking a Philip K. Dick shirt right and now. And I'm actually yeah. wearing a uh, Philip K. Dick shirt that Miguel bought me, you know, for his birthday. That's it was his birthday, and he bought me this shirt. That tells you what kind of guy Miguel is, right? <laughs> That's why Miguel is a host. Yeah. He's not... We, yeah, we fucked up. Yeah. He's a host. He's a host. I I love this book. Um, this is not what? My, I love this. What? Yeah. And I hated the movie. I hated Blade Runner. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I'm not... I don't... I hated it the first... It okay. took me three times to actually finish Blade me, Runner. It is a pretty boring movie. Let me and rephrase, the book is yes. absolutely not boring. No. It's yeah. so weird. I'll rephrase. I don't hate it. It was boring and I fell asleep a bunch of times and I'll never watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't hate it. <laughs> so it's worse than it. You're totally indifferent. You can't even stay up for it. Yeah, like I... I tend to go to like relationships. When I'm reading a book, that's what, what gets me is relationships. And uh, the relationship between... Um, Deckard and his wife is, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the uh, pinnacle of dysfunctional relationships, and yeah, that's one of the things I love most about this book. Well, and it's also one of those things where it's like, well, why don't you, I, I don't want to feel good today. Yeah. I want to be depressed, you it's, know? And it's like, it, it hits you in a weird way, because you know in yourself, there's some days where it's like, fuck it, I just want to be depressed, yeah. Yeah. you know? But they have this machine that can make them not depressed. Which is, and it's just like you still want to wallow because it makes you feel better. Yeah, to wallow in his, your own depression. His wife. So it starts off like in the first two pages of the book, he he wakes up and he's like getting ready for work and he's dialing in on this emotion machine that just 
changes his emotion, and he's like, all right, honey, what would you like to dial in? And she's like, I'm going to dial in the depression. And it's like, wait, what? Six hours of depression. Yeah, it's like, no! Why would you do that? She's like, I'm not in the mood. I'm in the mood to be depressed. And she, like, actually had it on her agenda. Like, she had scheduled for that day of the week that she would be depressed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, that's... uh, which that's, that's a bad marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's more it's, it's more human it's though. Very yeah. human. Yeah. yeah. What I loved about this book too is there's this whole question that 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 kind of shrouds the entire narrative is you're hunting androids and it gets to this point where the people he's hunting actually run this whole like parallel universe, right? And it gets to this question where it's like is Deckard an android? You know, cuz this whole thing androids show no mercy. They'll sell each other out. Quickly to spread themselves. Well, Deckard is always is always killing androids, and then the other android hunter he finds, the other Blade Runner, or whatever, I don't know what they call him in the book, also questions whether or not he's an android, and that whole question drives the entire narrative, and it's just it's, it's insane. It's like such a beautiful way to write that. It's this worked for me on so many levels, and again, where twenty forty nine, it it hits on these very similar themes of. What is what does it mean to be a human? And and I don't remember this the first time I read this book. I was more focused on like the media aspect of it because there's a large portion of it oh. is, is dedicated to th- these androids on the media versus versus uh, religion. Yeah. And um, ultimately, this is a religious text. Philip K. Dick was very. Uh, not necessarily religious, but um, he was definitely a Catholic, yeah. and he was very against abortion, and it, they even dropped that line in this book. Well, it's huge. And the <laughs> whole thing about this book is almost even, it seems, I hate when people say this, but this just seems like it just becomes more and more relevant. Like, Buster Friendly is basically a 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Told by... Whoa, uh, he just blew my mind. Yeah, like yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And then Mercer is, you know, the religion that's kind of opposed to it. But it's so, I mean, God, I hate, I hate doing it, but it's just like, oh, there's Democrats and Republicans, yeah. and they're just fundamentally opposed. Every, they're totally wrong in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some of the most beautiful scenes in this book, and beautifully written, like the way it was um, drawn out was, is a spider real? You know, like, figure out if an animal yes. is real. It was like... Oh man, it was like it was it was showing how life is so precious after everything was destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Well, would it pass the the test? You know that. Yeah. That, and and so basically, I guess to summarize, the so most people have, are going to have seen uh, Blade Runner, whereas in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, there's this the similar premise in that you know he's going after Roy Batty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that's different here is that this is a, uh, a an American like wasteland, and there's everything is nuclear, and it's it's everyone wants to get off Earth, and then you find out like halfway through the story that even off Mars sucks balls. People are trying to get off, androids are trying to get off Mars. Mm-hmm. Everything is shit. He's a Blade Runner, or in this story, he's just a, they call him a bounty hunter. And he kills androids. Uh, and in this story, it's androids aren't androids how you think of them. They are they're biological machines. They're yeah. they're yeah. not metallic. Like yeah. he doesn't describe the gore when he retires one, but he does. So you at first you're like, well, are they like what? So, so you'll just know. You shoot it, and then it's like a machine. It's like, yeah, no, 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 you have to get a bone there. Oh, yeah. So you know that this is flesh and blood, yeah. and they they feel, but the machines don't have empathy. None of the machines have empathy. Yeah. They just have their wants and their needs, yeah. which is a... Um, ultimately, it makes it a, a little bit easier to digest, because... He is killing creatures that are essentially human sociopaths. Yeah. So you feel a little less bad for when he retires them. At least that's how I felt. 
But you still do kind of feel bad for them because they are android. They are Andy's sociopath, right? They're basically sociopathic by programming. But, uh, who, the, you know, he's also a sociopath, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, like, oh, one of the guys, uh, the, the Blade Runner, the, the, that he meets, that, that he, he meets, thinks he's is... like, oh, yeah, you just fuck him and then you kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 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 uh, this is the order. Yeah. You bang him and then you retire him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the nice way of saying it. Yeah. Just... I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. because these androids, you have to administer a test to tell if they're even different. They can't even tell if a fucking spider is mechanical or not. Mm-hmm. So for all they know, all these, you know, everyone is either an android or a human being. And to say something like, well, hey, it's easy. You just fuck them and then you kill them. You know, <laughs> you fuck them, then you have the test and then you fucking kill them. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. So you get the best, best of yeah. both worlds. So they're all sociopaths. They're all insane. So going back to the empathy thing that you were talking about, yeah. um, I was listening to this NPR, NPR podcast. Ooh, uh, NPR, yeah. I was listening to this NPR podcast and they were talking about the, essentially the two types of uh, empathy. There was the uh, cognitive empathy, which is the capacity to understand another's perspective or mental state. And then there's effective empathy, also called emotional empathy, the capacity to respond with an appropriate emotion to another's mental states. So uh, what I liked was it wasn't all about science fiction and how cool we can make this new world look. It was also about the emotions and the deep shit that's going on within the human brain. And I think the cognitive em- empathy was what the uh, the android or the Andes can get away with, yeah. but it's the effective empathy that they weren't able to get away with, and the, which was which was what uh, taking the tests. I forget what the name of the test is. The, the void comp void comp yeah. test. That's what was fucking them up. And I it was just I was listening to the book, and then I listened to this NPR thing. I'm like, holy shit! It's just yeah. It, it, it was it was great. Um, there is also that when you have the story of the androids, we have the simpleton. I forgot what they called the simpleton. Oh, chicken heads. Chicken heads. Chicken heads. They had a chicken head. Which is so funny because for my hip hop heads, chicken heads are something different. Oh, yeah. What, so, what are they? Guys? Chicken heads are basically hoes. Oh, so you got chicken heads. Yeah, because they're going down on that cock. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Bagak, <laughs> bagak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do it with a chicken head, too. All right, you're cut off, sir. Cut off his mic. No, so, but when they're, when they're going with Batty and, and what is it, Pris, mm-hmm. well, the androids were all, like, you know, gang, they, they're, they're living together. I think that was done on purpose for, for Philip, Philip K. Dick, Phil Dick, you know, was just like... <laughs> PKD. Yeah, PKD was just like... This is this shows the human side of them. Like they are, they also want to survive, yeah. Uh, and they're teaming up. So, who you know? Do androids dream of electric sheep? I don't know, but man, they, they fucking want to be alive. They want to be alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah they never answered that question, yeah. do they? But there, so there is a scene in this that um, I the second time I read it, I listened to it on Audible, and it was hard for me to like. I was like, it made, it made my stomach twist, and it's when Roy, Batty, and, and Trish, or whatever, the, the Rachel, the one that looks like Rachel, yeah. it, like, they capture a spider, and spiders, are, there's not many of them left, right? Mm-hmm. It could be the last of this type of spider. The chicken head, the um, guy, the human being that's living with them, is like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta save this, you know? And she just is curious... She's like, well, can it live with one less leg? Yeah. And then she, like, cuts its leg off, pulls its leg off. And then she's like, well, can it live with one less more? Can't, and it doesn't occur to these androids, like, that this is, like, really fucked up. Like, what they're just torturing this spider to death. When maybe the last type of spider, because... But from there... Okay, so, so but there, like, when you're a kid... You smash spiders. I mean, I'm okay, sure as an yeah, adult, yeah. you still smash spiders. <laughs> but 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 as an android, uh, they are also living. You know, so there's just plenty of these things around. Who cares? You know, Isadora. Isadora's the guy's name. The chicken head. Chicken head. Isadora. That's right. Yeah, and and the other this the other really interesting layer. There's so many fucking layers to this. The other interesting layer is he hints at earlier 
in the story that a lot of chicken heads can't pass the Voight comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, so some humans are just killed because they don't have the awareness because, you know, they've, um, basically a chicken head is when they've been living on Earth too long and the radiation has fucked their brain up. So it's like, just the fact of them being in this environment is killing them, yeah. is, is mm-hmm. making them into androids. And he also lives in similarly. One of the ways they could tell who an android is is the conditions they're living in. Kipple, right? Isn't that what they call Kipple? Kipple is just Kipple like, is just, yeah. cl- trash. You know, just trash, right? Uh, clutter. The radiation the, is, is slowly yeah. turning shit into Kipple. And then, well, uh, I felt like it was more of like a metaphorical... Are you talking back? Well, no, I because he says like everything turns into Kipple. It's like when you just come home and like throw... Like I do this in my, like, the back clutter. of my car. It's just like I eat, I eat a fast food and I just throw... The trash in the back, if and, were, it, and it just multiplies, and that's kind of what I felt like Kipple was. I yeah. didn't feel like it was radiating gotcha, necessarily. Okay. I felt like it was just debris that builds up because you're a fucking piece of trash. But 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 it's but it's also the debris everything left behind too. It's just, yeah. just people just yeah. left right. because of every everything was irradiated. So it's not that it's not that any one human is actually accumulating this. Is it's is any one human cleaning it up? Yeah. Yeah. Is is, is and we're, we're in a we're in a society where it's pat there no one is paid to, to I'm sure there's no garbage cleaners yeah right we didn't even get into the society here in that I, I love how Decker what did you guys feel about Decker like he his whole motivation is a societal motivation all he cares about is getting enough money to replace his android sheep. So his sheep dies a year before the, the narration starts, the, the book starts, and he's just trying to get another animal because that's what society says. You have to do this to be moral. Yeah. This is the morally right thing to do. In fact, uh, a couple years ago, it was illegal to not own an animal. Yeah. So now, like, he has this societal pressure, and it's just this thing where he, you know, does he just want to seem... It's kind of, he's kind of a piece of shit because all he cares about is is his how society views him. Like, do they? Are, I want to buy this baby colt because horses are like fucking expensive. Well, I want to buy the most expensive animal yeah. and yeah. just show it to people. Well, it's all, it's supposed to help you with your empathy. You're empathetic towards the animal if you're if you're um, you know treating it, you're, yeah. you're feeding it, also. So that kind of helps. It's supposed to, it's but supposed it's a societal, yeah. like, he, he doesn't Oh, it's like feel, keeping up with the Joneses, for yeah. real, yeah. Yeah, like, he doesn't feel any empathy for the animal. One of his animals dies, and the only time where he he feels legitimately sad is where he thinks he finds an extinct animal, and it turns out to be an android. Yeah. The owl. That's the Dude. only time that he has empathy, real. Such like, a great he, scene. And that scene was powerful. Yeah, yes. it's like, well... Fuck, like, what? I mean, I, I like this character, but do I, like, I wouldn't want to fucking have a beer with this guy, because he's a, he's kind of a piece of shit that just cares about his image in society. Well, you kind of feel like everybody's like that. There's not one person who isn't like that. Dude, yeah. I'm punk rock. <laughs> don't give a fuck Are you cyber people. punk rock? <laughs> shit, dog. <laughs> Dude, I'm cyber woke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dude, this book was cyber woke. Except yeah. for the, you know, religious... Well, I, it. Yeah. I I wanted to bring up one thing. Um, going back to the chicken heads. This was written in the 50s, right? I believe 50s and 60s. 60s. Okay. So definitely in the uh, 40s, uh, there was you know this eugenics thing going on. And I feel like, I think that's what he was trying to say with, with his chicken heads. Is, uh, around the time, or very before he wrote it, um, you know, you had this eugenics thing, you know, uh, getting the best genes out there and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think with the chicken heads, they weren't allowed to leave Earth because of all their radiation. And so, yeah. so I caught that. I was like, wow, that's either I'm reading too much into it or 
Philip K. Dick is just a, he's a genius. You no, know, I, I don't like, think you were reading too much of yeah. that. Yeah, I think uh, that's there on purpose. I actually believe that they can't reproduce either. I believe that might have been in there. I'm not 100% They're sure. not allowed to reproduce? Or... They're not allowed to okay, reproduce. Okay. I yeah. believe they're not I, I'm pretty sure it's because they, they, they talk about it too. He talks about his IQ. I can't do yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't go to Mars. He was one point under or something like that. But, you know, the whole eugenics aspect and then the whole radiation aspect, they just came out of a war... Where one one of the major, you know, it, it, I'm talking about the real world here. One of the major themes is getting rid of, you know, it was the whole entirely eugenics holocaust, mm-hmm. and then and then you have the nuclear bomb, and this takes place after some other nuclear bomb mm-hmm. goes off. Um, yeah, you're not. I mean, I, I I wouldn't think anyone would read. That's but it, to me, that's just like well, that's there. It's got to be there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the eugenics aspect is absolutely there. Yeah, I got it, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so do we want to wrap things up here? Uh, overall, I mean, how do you, you feel? Pretty strong. Like you, you'd recommend? Oh, I recommend both. Books yeah. You about. Yeah. Phil, um, so do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep was my favorite out of this whole round of books we read. Yeah. Uh, by far, but so yeah, and I, I would even go as far. I don't normally read reread things. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a collector in all aspects, so I collect books as well. Like. Uh, experiences in reading, so I just want to move forward. Yeah, I would read this book again. Yeah, I have, and, and yeah. I want to read. I, I've read it twice, and I want to read it. more because we read we read Burning Chrome, which will be in the, in the next podcast, and uh, so that's two. I've only read two of his things. So I want to read more by Philip. by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, yeah. and he is. There are a lot of Philip K. Dick books that are less science fictiony, mm-hmm. um, but to me. That, again, maybe this is the thing that brings you into the genre like it did me because there's so many of these layers that even, you know, you're, if you're young or if you're older, like, it doesn't matter. There's there's so much going on in this book. To me, it's much more complex than the movie that they made where yeah. it's like, well, what does it mean to be human? Okay, that's a that's a fair point, but what, is, what does it mean to be a part of society? What does it mean to, like, all of these other things that this book covers... That the that the movies just don't. Fair point would be that how could you even do this in a movie? Yeah, I mean, so some of it. I mean, there's some aspects of books. It'd be that, an indie movie. Right, right. Yeah. It'd be an indie movie, but it'd be like four parts. You know? Yeah, it would be a Netflix series, <laughs> miniseries, or an HBO miniseries. Um, there's just too much that um, that that gets lost in the action of the movies. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, it was a great book. The movie's okay. The book is way better. Anyone who says otherwise is a fucking moron. <laughs> the chicken head. <laughs> so or an Andy. I could, the, the, my favorite parts of this book were outside of, of the blade running aspect of it. Yeah. Outside of um, the bounty hunter aspect of it. It was just the societal aspects of it. Um, his neighbor, you know, having his own horse and then also the calf. Yeah, the colt. The colt, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the colt. And then just... How jealous he was of it! Why should he have when I don't have? Yeah. And then, but he can't admit that his that he was that uh, his sheep was electric. Yeah, you know, just that societal pressure of it. Yeah, I love that was my favorite part of yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, it's phenomenal. It's just completely missing from the movie. Yeah, the Buster friendly aspect of the book I thought was yeah. one of my favorites, just because. Yeah, and all that humans missing. are watching it, right? And I don't know if it was clear to me or if I misread, but it didn't seem like anyone even questioned why the fuck he was on 23 hours a day yeah. on multiple avenues. There, there's like two people that question, or that yeah. two people that bring it up. I think they're both androids. Like, yeah. it's a fucking android. <laughs> yeah. Duh, that's how it's able to do that. Plus, we didn't even talk about Mercerism. Like, yeah. Mercer, yeah. And I, what is it? I mean, is it like kind of like a Christ type? Oh, I think it's absolutely the Christ. Because he's such story. a. But he's forever being tortured, you know. But so but it's fake. But it's fake. Right? But then it's real. But yeah. so if it's fake, how did he go into it and then come out with like cuts? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so it's a like it's staged, but yeah, it's I, that, I, I did not. I, I, I think it's staged, stuff. but I think the point to be made there is like, look, it is fake, but because you believe in it, it's also it's, real. It's, yeah. You know? um, like praying. Th- this yeah. is like a, <laughs> right, I mean, sorry, well, but but but. but even falsehoods influence reality. You know, if you're a Christian and you make decisions based on your Christianity, you're influencing every physical reality. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Mercerism is fake, but it's just as real as 
don't know. I I, I can't think of any because religion is so. I mean, it's so baked into everything we do. Yeah. Even if we, I think, are we three atheists here? I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dude, I'm, uh, I'm out of here, dude. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Mercer. <laughs> what is it? A sub Christian or what was it? I'm a seller Christian. Christian. Yeah. So, all right. We'll we'll wrap things up there, and then probably next week, and we're actually just gonna roll into recording this now. Yeah. But we'll have this out next week. We're going into some miscellaneous. We're gonna have like a lightning round of a bunch of shit we're gonna cover akita we're gonna cover what fucking else pat cadigan pat cadigan ready player one <laughs> ready player one. Oh my god have you uh, seen those trailers they uh, look say ah, oh we'll get into it hey so, have you seen that trash of a poster dude, oh, no dude. whoa we're gonna cover that okay. that <laughs> amazing poster we're excited <laughs> we love that book get ready because we've read it and we're going to tell you all about how amazing Ready Player One is. Hey, Zach, who, who made our theme song? Uh, okay. Oh, that's the <laughs> other thing. Dream Eater, uh, my, uh, my wife, and uh, Zach Humphrey, and uh, Johnny Amon, and they're Dream Eater, and they make some awesome music. If you live in Austin, check them out. How does it feel that your wife is cooler than you? Uh, damn. How does... How does that? How do we all feel? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Well, we make a podcast. (laughs) 